0: This is the video jumpyard Podcast. We're here
1: a place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. Lion the It's of The whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum
0: and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. Well, From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half ape, with the strength of 20 demons. It's time.
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junker Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me as always, my good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good.
0: good. It's uh, been an interesting evening. Yeah, so yeah, we... Uh...
1: We, we just had ryan uh on for a little bit before and we got a nice little conversation that somehow quickly turned into uh ghost stories other black exploitation movies and <laughs> accidentally finding parent porn stashes when you're a kid so it was really like <laughs> so, a little bit of a mix of everything so yeah, we'll see if
0: we can you know you know take the appropriate non-incriminating parts of that and turn it into one of our free rental episodes and it was it was an interesting conversation but we'll see it may never see the light of day either maybe it's better off that way i'll think about it Yeah, yeah yeah see what we can do with it
1: so anything anything new this week anything cool going on
0: oh no not really i mean weather's been nice we've been spending a lot of time outside like always and otherwise not really uh doing anything um i didn't tell you guys this off the air but our, my uh daughter fell down the stairs the other day and busted her chin open oh no and she had to go to the er and get um luckily didn't do stitches they did the glue stuff on mm-hmm. it they were able to glue it but yeah it was a pretty deep gash she kind of like hit her um chin on the like bottom of like the uh banisters or the newel posts of like the sharp wood corner Ooh, that was kind yeah. of sticking out and it just like split her chin right open so unfortunately, she's probably going to end up growing up with a little scar there. So, well, but yeah, yeah, it depends. I mean, she's so young that could be gone pretty quick. Yeah, depending on how it is. Been. But well, that's, anyway, that's, so yeah, we well, Tuesday, last Tuesday evening we we're in the ER with for for that. And luckily, it was you know no big deal. They just kind of glued her together and sent her back on her way. But so. cool. Cool. The first time, the first time we've officially been to the ER for we've been there a couple of times for like asthma, and some other like you know more serious like medical or sickness issues. It was the first time like it was like a household injury type thing. But mm-hmm.
1: well, yeah, the those right? those kind of things too. It's yeah. like you could you can go overboard and put padding on every right angle in yeah, the they're house. Still
0: going to find a way to hurt themselves. And <laughs> yeah, and and of
1: course it's like you look at it like oh maybe I should cover that. And it's the one thing they happen to hit themselves on. Yeah, um, yeah we, we've been doing a bunch of landscaping too uh around like the yard trying to just make it look nice for the summer and um you know so it's constantly watching out with the kids like you yeah, put that rake down put that hoe down put, just put everything <laughs> down and i don't want anybody to lose a finger
0: but yeah a three-year-old was running around the yard with um pruning shears the other day and i was like no you can't touch that.
1: <laughs> yeah we're not going to do that we're not going to play with that <laughs>
0: So. Well then I feel bad, yeah, like I don't wanna be fun.
1: the dad who's like, Get out of the shed But the shed's made of sheet metal and it's got some sharp edges. So yeah, get out of the shed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but but you know that's the thing with kids. Kids get curious and they get hurt and they get back up and they try it again, which actually kinda of segues us into the movie that we're gonna Yeah, I thought you were going
0: there. I was just gonna shut up and let you segue, mm-hmm. so but I did actually so the
1: movie that we're going to be talking about tonight which we've been advertising for the last couple of days is the 1986 Toby Hooper film Invaders from Mars
0: David Gardner just woke up to a nightmare in his own backyard but no one will listen I landed right back there right behind the hill no one will believe. I told you, he needs psychiatric help. And soon, no one will be left. Dad? Are you okay, Dad? Fine. Because something strange is happening to the people of Willow Creek. Everything's fine now. And David Gardner is about to find out why. Dad! I got gonna... Cannon Films presents Toby Hooper's Invaders from Mars. There's no place on Earth to hide.
1: Now, this one uh so directed by Toby Hooper, screenplay by Dan O'Bannon, who just got the guy has his name on everything in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um and Dan one of my Kobe. favorite writers, yeah. Yeah, and this is actually a remake of the 1953 film Invaders from Mars uh which was directed by william cameron uh menzies and stars jimmy hunt helen helena carter and uh arthur franz is kind of a cult classic science fiction movie so toby hooper remade that one in 1986 um and this one stars karen black hunter carson timothy bottoms lorraine newman james karen uh budcourt and louise fletcher so yeah even nurse ratchets in this one yep yeah um so yeah
0: great cast with a lot of very good faces
1: and a really interesting uh creature and visual effects done by john dykstra and stan winston so this Mm -hmm. was a a pretty decent budget film um i it's it's budget actually was around seven million
0: and And this is this is toby hooper still coming off of his poltergeist success i think uh yeah life force um and this movie which is both of his like big budget sci-fi movies Uh, made off of his success with that right um yeah and i I gotta say i I think life force is gonna end up being my favorite of those two but anyway we'll get to that later. yeah well
1: that's kind of what i was (laughs) was just gonna bring up is this it um it's got its moments where it's cool and otherwise it's uh it's unfortunate with having a great cast and having some really great elaborate creature effects and visual effects behind it it's pretty bland
0: yeah and so what is this one about do you want to throw us a quick uh... so
1: yeah basically um david gardner is a little or uh, yeah david gardner is this 12 year old boy um who's really obsessed with space notices that in the hill behind his property there's something lands in the middle of the night and he tries telling his parents and soon one by one all of the townspeople or most of the townspeople start going over the hill to see what's there and they come back with some kind of mind control device on the back of their neck. He gets curious and finds that the uh, it's a large spaceship with uh, supposedly Martians um, that have, yeah. have landed and they're they're taking over and then the, the plot thickens a little bit more where one of the reasons that they're invading us is because we've been sending probes there. So it's
0: a... I think they try to do a cautionary tale here. Yeah, they find that the martians find in our probes or in the earth probes that they have copper and their entire civilization thrives on the use of copper they even kind of insinuates that they eat it yeah or that it's some kind of a nutrient for them but also their technology runs on copper and so they think that this is a copper rich planet and they're going to you know go and strip it of its resources so
1: yeah and it's it's a really weird plot <laughs> yeah i mean you could have just said they're taking over Right. Okay, but not like and and very specific to, mining.
0: <laughs> right, I did notice that on the podcast or on the Video Junkie podcast, we have reviewed films that have this same basic plot quite a few times now. We have we did uh, Critters. Yeah. Um, we did um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, The Deadly Spawn. Um, is that all of them? But they all kind of fit into this like kid sees you know kid of some certain age but you know young person sees alien invasion authorities do not believe them um oh we did invasion of the body snatchers as well that's not kids but it right. still has the similar in fact this you could really call this movie an invasion of the body snatchers junior <laughs> yeah because it, yeah, it totally. essentially runs along the same kind of paranoia and um the Absolutely. way that people are kind of taken over by the martians and yeah so anyway yeah, and I I you know
1: I mentioned the uh the creature effects a little bit. What are your thoughts on on the visual effects from this
0: one? Um I really really like the creature designs in um they're like I don't know, they're kind of like ways that you've never seen, well, I don't, not just martians but aliens depicted before. They're kind of like this big ball-shaped creature with a large mouth who walks on um Walks on all fours, but it's almost like they're walking on four kind of spindly arms. So they're like this orb-ish thing with a giant mouth <laughs> suspended um, on these four kind of wispy arms. Spider-like, almost, but there's only four of them. Yeah. And, you know, with a lar- the large mouth is also filled with, like, rows and rows of sharp teeth. And, you know, they're very, very threatening, um, but very, like, unique looking. And their, their leader is uh i i don't know i mean the the year this was made i guess it can't possibly be but maybe is the inspiration for the character of krang on the yeah (laughs) he's kind of a big brain it's like essentially is krang you know a big brain creature that uh speaks in a very strange kind of chanty language and the from from that standpoint like the special effects that it and I want to I want to specify the creature design, not necessarily the effects execution, is great. The design is really really cool. When they actually have to start interacting with the soldiers and stuff towards the climax of the film, the sets and the monsters don't really hold up when they have to like move around and do things. Um, but from a design standpoint, they're really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, like they they're kind of they actually look a lot like the aliens from Deadly Spawn.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the a main, lot of like the
1: the kind of the main ones, and then you've got like the supreme leader, which is this, like you said, a large brain thing with this long snake like tail, um, and it, so it definitely took some some liberties from the original fifty three movie, um, but actually this this is one that I saw uh, many many years ago. When I was a kid, uh, you know, got it from the video store in the mm-hmm. late 80s, early 90s when it came out. And actually, it was those creatures that really drew my attention to it. Because the story itself is fairly forgettable. Like, the yeah. plot elements are pretty forgettable. I mean, forgettable.
0: It's, it's, it blends in, like we were talking about. It's just such such a kind of generic alien invasion, 1950s style, yeah, plot. It's it It, could, it kind of gets lost in the, you know, hundred movies I've seen. That have a similar plot, right? Right, and I mean
1: just in in looking at these things, especially at those big Martian like meatball looking creatures again, um, <laughs> in photos. Like after I watched the movie, you can actually see like in the the original puppets and stuff they had eyes, but you can never tell that looking at the movie. They, yeah, I always I never knew that. I always thought these things were blind, and it's because they're it's not a very well filmed movie. It's it's pretty. It's it's filmed very dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I will say that the the stuff that takes place on that on that Martian ship, the set design is really cool. Yeah. It definitely yeah, from comes off feeling otherworldly. Um, so, and I'll admit too, I haven't seen the original
0: Fifty Three movie. I but, have not either. I'm unfamiliar with it.
1: But uh, the the cast in this one is overall pretty good. Um, you know, the performances are okay um mostly louise fletcher even though i guess she was nominated (laughs) for a razzie for this movie yeah
0: yeah i saw that which is interesting because i thought she was fine doing what she was doing in this i don't know i mean maybe it's just because this movie was kind of universally panned so they pick somebody who they think is the most you know over the top or kind of the most awkward performance in the film and they you know that's how the razzies does do their nominations Um, but yeah, I don't think she was particularly bad per se. It was, you know, she, uh, Mm -hmm. does ham it up a bit, but I, I don't know. I think she works as like the kind of evil, scary teacher. We all, you know, we all had a character or somebody like that in our lives. Right. Going to school. (laughs) Right. Well, and you know, Timothy
1: Bottoms plays the the father. Um, and of course he's. Timothy Bottoms, I I remember him as as the lead in Johnny Got His Gun, which is a movie
0: I still find incredibly haunting. You know what I remember him from? There was a short-lived show that Trey Parker and Matt Stone did called That's That's My Bush Bush. (laughs) on Comedy Central shortly after the election of George W. Bush. And, uh, yeah, Timothy Bottoms played, played the president in that, and that's, like, always what I see now when I see him in, you know, anything... (laughs) <laughs> it's like oh it's 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 george w bush <laughs> like I, I really think they should have gotten him back for uh you know oliver stone should have given him a call for the role but anyway
1: yeah well and then this yeah. also has uh karen black in it who was a classic actress um in in the 70s and the 80s especially like i think one of the earliest scream queens really mm-hmm. um and she's actually well and she goes even before that you know she was she did some stuff with Coppola. She was an Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, and all that. Um, great Gatsby, but but she started doing more of these kind of sci-fi horror movies. I think her one of her last, not her ultimate last role, but in two thousand three, she was in House of a Thousand
0: Corpses, and yeah. um, you know, so she really took on the the, the horror horror uh, character. She she embraced that later in her career big time. Like she became. Mm-hmm synonymous with horror movies but i think we're oddly enough we were talking about movies like this but she is i think best known early on for horror stuff for the um, movie trilogy of terror yes yeah she did the the zuni fetish doll piece i don't remember what it's called but uh it was written by richard matheson and um really a pretty great old um horror anthology movie yeah it's probably not you know pc these days with the the zuni fetish doll but right um but yeah but it, it's, it's certainly a memorable role and i think from there is where she becomes the script the scream queen But yeah that's... uh
1: and then in this one in, in uh invaders from mars the the lead role hunter carson uh is plays the little 12 year old david gardner and i keep saying david gardner because they say his name Okay, a lot. Louis Fletcher the calls him
0: David Gardner every time. She talks I'll get
1: about you, him. David Gardner. I'm coming yeah. after you, David Gardner. Even the aliens are like David Gardner.
0: <laughs> you missed the field trip, David Gardner.
1: <laughs> and and really, it, the the kid isn't a terrible actor. But he's not uh, great, and uh, I don't he's think he's not the script, great. He, the
0: script wasn't I, very good either. For him. I wrote down and I, not not to pick on someone that's you know been picked on their entire life but uh i wrote down it's a very jake lloyd performance from this kid so yeah it's uh,
1: <laughs> but you know so. what it also becomes a very episode 1 type movie in the in the final act once once the military gets involved it starts getting yeah, very I, very silly
0: and yeah i actually think that the first part of this movie is very good and the second half of this movie is very i don't know i don't know if it's bad but it's not as interesting because it kind of pulls a switch on like date david gardner is going through um kind of like this this you know invasion kind of invasion of the body snatchers type situation which plays on all these like suspicions that kids have about you know their parents and their teachers kind of being out to get them right Mm -hmm. so it's it's very relatable like from a young adult um standpoint like you know young people watching this film um watching him kind of struggle and um you know all these people he thought he could trust figuring out you know finding out when that, that, that you can't trust them or they've they've changed or been taken over uh kind of the invasion of the body snatchers thing and um it's it's it's, it's actually really effective and it works really well until all of a sudden you bring in the marines at that point and then all of a sudden david's not the main character anymore like he's kind of sidelined and it's just this marines marine invasion of the ship and um yeah and then it it we'll get to the ending in a minute but it's got a really really terrible ending that i'm not sure where they came up with why that was a good idea to end the movie that way but i really think yeah they, they pull kind of this like u-turn um at around the time that it becomes about the soldiers and um, ruin everything that was going so well for the movie well and even one of the weird
1: things that they do too is you've got this general that is barking orders and it Like, he he loses a soldier the same way two times in a row, and they have the exact same edit sequence. Like, the general's getting angry, and then he calls out an order. I mean, just, if you watch that sequence, like, the the whole third act again, it's very, very repetitive. Um, You know, like, a soldier gets sucked down into the sand and everybody's trying to pull him out, and they can't, and the general just starts yelling his name over and over and over again. And then some <laughs> shit happens, and then somebody else gets sucked down. And you they, and they do the same thing yeah, all over again. And first, then you also have this general who's taking advice on how to handle this from this little 12-year-old kid, and
0: it always ends up terrible. But he keeps, what do you think, David? I mean, it's really <laughs> kind of strange well then for some reason david gardner decides i'm gonna keep calling him that yeah. because they always do david gardner decides to totally against character because he's he's been running away from these these adults for the entire film right he's hiding from his parents he's hiding from nurse ratchet he's hiding from and and mrs mckelch i'm gonna call her nurse ratchet because louise fletcher's most famous for that role but um and why, all of a sudden, is there a point in this movie where he decides he's going to run into the sand pit where everybody's getting sucked down and be like, I have to find my parents. It's like, you don't want to find your parents. You've been hiding from your parents for the whole damn movie. Like, did somebody stop writing this and like in the middle of the movie and just uh, hand it off to someone? Like, oh, finish this script because uh, I'm, I'm tired yeah. of it or something. It, it feels like that. It doesn't make any sense. Like, even well, from like a standpoint of taking that that character seriously, like... No, he doesn't want to find his parents. He's been trying to avoid his parents because his parents, he knows his parents have been taken over by aliens. Like,
1: <laughs> Well, and on top of that too, when he gets sucked down into that sand pit, which the aliens are doing, he has no way of knowing that you'll actually survive that. All he's seen is people get sucked down into the sand and then either never get seen again or turn into a zombie, like, mind-controlled mm-hmm. minion. And he's just like, oh, I gotta find my parents. Dive headfirst into what's probably certain death. <laughs> um yeah the the movies the last act is just really really strange uh again it's kind of it just cool, seems like, the... like not
0: the same movie like they all of a sudden like just pull a 180 on you and it's it's different like it sidelines it sidelines its main character and replaces him with people that aren't as interesting and then yeah and by the time the the climax of the film and everything's resolved well it I'm not even sure it gets resolved because they end it in like the worst way, <laughs> with the you know the dream sequence. Oh uh, God! Ending that like it's it's a it's a like old joke about how bad of an ending. Like the I wake up and it's all a dream thing and or was it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. I was scratching my head by the end of it because I really feel like they started off with the building blocks of a decent movie here and then just drove it into the ground, but. Um, yeah,
1: one of the things too that that, and again, when I watched this for the the show here, I hadn't seen this in at least fifteen years, twenty years, so yeah, I didn't remember much about it. Just a few images in my head, but in the very beginning, with the whole thing with like his dad giving him that special penny, and I'm gonna put it in your coat pocket, and it's like, oh, that's gonna be important later. Yeah, and yeah, that kind of stuff is just it's it's kind of lazy writing. And yeah, I think you bring up a good point with what you said earlier that, you know, this is um, this is after Life Force, uh, which was was yeah. critically acclaimed, and actually there's a scene in this where you see them watching Life Force on TV. <laughs> it's after yeah. Poltergeist. Um, you know, it, this is Toby Hooper, who's you know he's really at his his peak as far as Mm -hmm. being a a respected director and i mean no offense to him before or after this um but i have to wonder if this wasn't like a contract gig if this was like you have
0: to do a couple of films for us and this is just one it Um, it feels like and i don't know the story behind it but it feels like a, a, a film that toby hooper probably was really excited to get involved with but who knows behind the scenes how it ended up getting to the point where because yeah it does feel like it's a little phoned in and a little lazy um i feel like toby hooper's style is not even like really and and you could argue that his style has not really shown up in any of his major hollywood movies um poltergeist or life force or this um but there's moments in this one where all of a sudden you're like oh okay i remember this is a toby hooper movie there's a a period where uh when david gardner hides in um, mckelch's van mm-hmm. and um all the taxidermied just, animals and yeah stuff. all the taxidermy animals he does these close-ups of all of the the animals and stuff and it's like oh i'm just reminding you i'm the guy that made texas chainsaw massacre like, <laughs> like yeah shot for shot like just seemed like something right out of uh, that film um but yeah and then so most of it's kind of bland and and just kind of I don't want to say style list, because it's got some cool stuff. But, yeah, I, anyone could have directed this, and and I don't think it's got his signature on it as much as some of his other movies do. Now, the last film he did
1: wasn't Toolbox Murders, was it?
0: I think the last thing he ever directed was the Masters of Horror episode called The Damned Thing. Okay. For the second season of Masters of Horror. I, I could be wrong. I, I think that was the last thing by him that i saw prior to his death but well see he, he passed away being in
1: pretty... 2017 so just three years ago the last movie looks like okay the last movie he did i was not to a box order it was uh gin and oh, yeah, yes okay. the, the last that was in 2013 so the last show he he did do the the damned thing which was in 20 in 2006
0: okay so I didn't he, know he'd done much since, but yeah.
1: Yeah, he had a um he had one movie after that which was uh which was Gin. <laughs> um but actually and we have we've reviewed stuff from him before and we we talked about the TV movie of Salem's Lot uh about a year ago, I guess, and he directed that. Yeah. Um yeah, and I think there's been a couple of other other things maybe. I thought
0: there was some other stuff that we talked about with him. Um I mean, I know we often bring up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, like Poltergeist, perhaps, but it, we haven't reviewed either of them. So okay. I think maybe yeah. the only thing we've done of his is the Salem's Lot, Salem's Lot television yeah. film. Yeah. Which
1: was great. I mean, even that one had a little bit more of
0: his style in it yeah. than, than this one. Um, yeah, and I, I think he was going for that kind of you know 1950s i don't want to say 1950s films had kind of a bland straightforward style but i think that the science fiction films of the 50s that is i guess i do want to say that that is kind of the style that they were made in so maybe some of it was intentional i think but... some of the corniness was yeah you know yeah. It, it this definitely has, has a, a, a bit of a
1: corny feel to it and i i'm pretty sure that was intentional again just to kind of keep up with the source material um, but yeah, this is one that I again, I remember liking this movie when I was a kid because of the the creature designs, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you much about the story other than you know a kid's on the run and no one believes him uh-huh. uh, which is such a common thing with these types of movies. But yeah, re-watching uh, this one it's it's uh it was a little harder to sit through than I remember it being. It was
0: a bit of a, a yeah. bit of a snooze um yeah and i only think that happened in the latter half of the film like i agree with you i'm um, i think they uh i think they had something good going and yeah I, i'm not sure what why those decisions were made but it just seems like something they they made a lot of kind of nonsense decisions about where to go with this movie and i being that i haven't seen the original i don't know what the original's like maybe maybe they felt like they were tied to the original had to kind of stick with that kind of typical 1950s sci-fi climax where you know call in the marines kind of like that's that's how they all end right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, you gotta have the big war between the the military and the alien invaders or the big giant bugs or whatever it is um but i think that kind of hurt this movie i would have liked to see it be a little bit more smaller of a you know have have david gardner and the school nurse played by karen black um actually you know figure out how to defeat these invaders i think that would have been a cooler way to go about it because they they were kind of the out against the you know whole crowd of people that have been taken over by these aliens anyway um <laughs> i do think it's interesting in this movie compared to many other we've talked about kind of the trope of nobody believes the young people kind of thing and it nobody believes him nobody believes him throughout like mo most of this film and he he makes his way into this military base um by dropping his dad's name because his dad works with nasa at this base and um gets in front of the big general that's running the whole thing and it's like you know oh here's my story and he's kind of like oh okay i'll check it out but i pretty much believe you i'm <laughs> just right off yeah. the that <laughs> like yeah you know i I think if a kid walked into my office and told me that, I would I would probably be like, okay, let's get a hold of this kid's dad. Like, <laughs> right? I
1: would I'd make some phone calls first. I mean, it did. Mm. I don't know. He did kind of feel a little bit like, all right, well, this is weird, but I guess I'll humor the kid and ask some people what's going on, and then he immediately has an assassination attempt on himself. Yeah. So yeah. okay, you know, okay, he's on board now, but yeah, he he did seem to be a little more willing unrealistically open-minded. I mean, it, it worked out, but
0: he was... Well, like you mentioned earlier, he was essentially asking David for advice. Yeah, so, like Yeah. Hi, right, 12-year-old 12- kid, what should we do next? <laughs> like, yeah,
1: kid who happened to just randomly find this shit and you came to me for help. What do you think? Yeah, it was really, really... You know, narratively, it didn't make a, a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it, this yeah, is one of those... It, it, I was gonna say this is just one of those things. Like every time they remake one of these kind of alien invasion movies from the fifties and sixties, you know, we, we this was an update of of the fifty three invaders from Mars. We've seen the Spielberg big budget remake of War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of versions, mostly BBC ones, of Day of the Triffids. Um, yeah.
0: Do you have there a, was a f- the Keanu Reeves um, Day of the Earth Stood Still.
1: Day of the Earth Stood Still, Earth Stood Still uh, <laughs> and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which we've talked about. Do you have a favorite
0: of the remakes? Yes, I think so. Out of everything we just mentioned, it's definitely Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the Donald yeah. Sutherland and uh, yeah, yeah, that's, the seventies that's one. one that that is just a fantastic movie. And it it not that the original is bad in any way, and I haven't seen the original in years, but I I did I think years ago. Um, but that one is just I don't know it it it's just got so much it's just such a creepy movie and gets that kind of stifling paranoia aspect of it. And well, I mean, just, just the image I could still, it's one of those cinematic moments that is etched in your brain forever. Like the end, the last frame of that or the last part yep. of that movie with yep. Donald Sutherland. And <laughs> Yep. so yeah, There's, that, I, that one is, and yeah, I'd be for, for more on that, you know, go and look up our, yeah. our review. We did do that on the show, but yeah, that's a favorite for sure.
1: I, I would, I would agree with you. I think I have a, a soft spot for the Spielberg remake of War of the Worlds and uh, that's not to say it's a good movie because it's really not that great um, there, are some, okay. there are some storytelling elements I, I really disagree with and that I thought were stupid but there were some aspects of it that I'll, I'll give credit where it's due when it worked it worked really well uh, yeah. You know, and especially taking something that is such an iconic story Uh, this HG Wells story and updating it to modern times and there's some truly chilling parts in that film Um, some of the casting was just really god awful so uh, this I feel like is kind of a similar thing you know when, when when you remake a movie like War of the Worlds which yes there's source material but really it was a remake of the original film and you remake Invaders from Mars you know 30 years later or something um you're, you're you're marketing it to a totally different audience, and I mean the same problem happened with Day the Earth Stood Still with the remake of that. It was a it was a bomb. I I still don't think I've seen it. Um, I heard such horrible things about it. I I wasn't that interested in seeing the yeah. Keanu Reeves remake of War of, of uh, Day the Earth Stood Still. I think it's because yeah. those movies were popular and successful when they came out because there was a. You know, space was a thing we were looking at and we were hearing about all the time and there was some apprehension and scientific advancements are coming along. It's just the atomic age kind of movies. Yeah. And you're trying to make them, remake those in a time when that's not what the concerns are. Um, so yeah, I, I movies like Invaders from Mars are just not going to work quite as well. Um, you know, you can throw a lot of creature effects in here, which is what I feel like they did. But... Yeah in the meantime they forgot to tell a coherent story that yeah is was... relevant for the time
0: in which it's being made super disappointed because dan o'bannon's got a screenplay credit on this and he's usually such a great writer and this is just not a great screenplay like i don't... well i mean we know now that hollywood is
1: riddled with you know studio meddling yeah into films yeah. i'm sure that's not a new phenomenon oh certainly not and i just think this is probably this reeks of a movie that that dealt with that it's just the way it's cut and edited feels weird um i have to wonder if if you know people like dan o'bannon put his his name on a much better screenplay but this is what's left of it
0: yeah and i do notice it's screenplay by dan o'bannon and uh don jacoby um Mm -hmm. so when you see that it's 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 sometimes, you know, a, a partnership and people sit down and write something together. But oftentimes it's, you know, started from a Dan O'Bannon screenplay and those other guys come in and, cha- you know, tooled it up and changed it. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's the case in this in, you know, in this film. There's but. a lot of potential variables that, yeah. you know,
1: it, it, that's why I said it reeks like somebody meddled with it. Yeah. Um, because to have that kind of attention given to the creature effects and the set designs um and and a good cast and you've got this screenplay by Dan O'Bannon. well this this
0: on paper looks like it's going to be great but it just misses the mark so many and times. one thing we didn't talk about is that this film like the movie is like legitimately funny in the in the first um oh even half of the film right and then gives way to kind of a silliness that isn't funny for some reason like like they they forget that they're like making a movie that has a comic element to it Mm -hmm. and instead like it just becomes almost farcically over the top and it's not just like it's not jokes per se but it just becomes a silly movie and that's not the style of humor of the first half it's almost like there's two different distinct (laughs) movies going on here that kind of kind of like when a show that you really like comes back the next season with a new group of writers and it's like whoa this is not where i thought this was going (laughs) yeah yeah that's a great point so
1: if you had to grade the (laughs) 1986
0: remake invaders from mars uh what do you think you know as, as as much as we kind of dogged on this movie i may not come down quite as harsh on it as it sounded like because I do think the first part of the movie is legitimately good, and I think that whole like childhood paranoia about authority figures and um, kind of the invasion of the body snatchers feeling to it really works well. Um, I think when David is the main character of the film, it really works well, although, like you said, the, the acting is not always great from um, the child actor that plays him, but um, creature design is fantastic. The sets are good however when actors actually have to interact with the creatures in sets it kind of falls apart um and it was certainly not ready to have a you know a marine or a military style battle scene um take place in it because it looks just kind of silly like they're shooting in someone's garage they can only fit like five people in their set Mm -hmm. at a time um but i don't know i don't hold that against movies necessarily i like the i like the ideas behind it it was cool um but it didn't really make for an exciting climax, and at the end of this film is just total garbage, and I hate it. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Like that, I think that's really what drove me, drove the grade down for me. Is like I was enjoying it, then like the switch over to like the military being the the, the driving force of the movie and kind of sidelining David and and Karen Black, um, that bugged me. But what really bugged me is this whole like oh right at the client you know the climax of this film we're gonna know show an explosion then wait this whole thing's been a dream or has it or whatever and it's just like the it's like they didn't have an ending and they're just like well what can we do oh it'll all be a dream and it's just the laziest thing mm-hmm. in the world um so yeah i think i gotta land on c because there's so much good stuff going on and there's so much stuff i really don't like so i'm just gonna to go right in the middle i think i'll give it a, a just a flat c I, I'm pretty close with you there.
1: Um, I'm gonna have to go with a C minus on this one. Uh, if if you were to remove the creature effects for the little bit that they're in there, um, even when they're just on their own, because I agree when they when you start interacting with people, it starts to look really kind of odd, um, kind of Humpty Dumpty like. But, you know, (laughs) and you remove the set designs, you remove some of the technical aspects and you have a very basic, simple movie that's really nothing to write home about. You've got a great cast, but they're not given really anything to work with. And you've got a basic story that uh, I should say, a a narrative style that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So, you know, given that it is kind of a classic story, though, like you can't say the story completely sucked because it's the plot of so many movies Uh, But the (laughs) way that they're telling it, it just, it's not, I've seen better from, I've seen much better from Toby Hooper. So this one almost felt like a favor and maybe I'm wrong on that, but it's something's definitely off with it compared to his uh, previous work from this and the work that he did to follow up. So Mm -hmm. I think I, I'm kind of there in the middle on it, but a a little bit, a hair more of the cons outweigh the pros. So I'm going to go with a C minus on this one but uh so i mean it's worth i guess kind of what we we did when we talked about uh kentucky fried movie last week it's you know one of those situations where if you really want to see the good stuff you could probably find it on youtube but you don't need to sit there the entire movie um the creature effects again they they're they're pretty cool for their time um and if you look at some of the behind the scenes photos these things are incredibly detailed
0: sometimes that just doesn't come through when when the actual movie's being made yeah it, it doesn't yeah the photos actually show the creatures a lot better than you ever see them in the film
1: mm-hmm. but yeah like there's yeah, this some is of one them.
0: of those that we we've had this happen a few times on the on the podcast luckily we've, we've been lucky and i think we've had more positive experience but this is one of those um throwback movies that i saw as you know i yeah, I don't know if a kid, but a teenager, and, and enjoyed quite a bit, um, but just hasn't aged well, or maybe it was just never that good, and I've you know my perspective has changed on it. But so it's unfortunately one of those ones that we are revisiting, and it's just not as good as memory will tell you. So All right it happens from time to time,
1: but we hope you uh did have a chance to check this one out and if you have any thoughts or questions or comments or criticisms or witticisms we would love to hear your thoughts on toby hooper's invaders from mars and to let us know your thoughts we invite you to please email us at Podcast at gmail.com You can send us a comment or question on Twitter at VideoJunkPod or find us on Facebook at the Video Junkyard Podcast main page or the Video Junkyard Podcast group. If you leave a comment or a question, we'll be happy to read it on our next show and uh, hopefully stimulate some uh, more discussion.
0: And coming up next week on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we will be continuing our um podcast. watching movies on the tubi tv service and next week we're going to check out the 1996 film freeway starring reese witherspoon and Kiefer sutherland so i hope you will come back well hope first of all i hope you will go and check that out on tubi and then hope you will join us for the discussion next week on the video junkyard podcast that's right. Uh, we're going to continue using Tubi
1: for a little bit while longer until things kind of start to open up, and then we'll see. Maybe we'll stick with it if it if it keeps working, or maybe we'll expand out a little bit more. Uh, but I we don't wanna, know. I'm having
0: I'm having yeah. fun I, with it. I, I, I am too I'm enjoying <laughs> it. I am
1: too. I mean, we, we were chatting before about some of the random kind of batshit stuff that you you catch on on there, and sometimes it's totally worth it, and sometimes it's not. So it's always a bit of a gamble, <laughs> yeah. which makes yeah. it fun. But, but it's but,
0: like it's 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 very similar to the experience we always talk about of going to the video store when we were growing up and and it was always a gamble right you pick out something because it's got that cool cover art and you take it home and man it's something somebody made on vhs that you wish you'd ever would have seen so it's like exactly it's <laughs>
1: so we so, yeah invite you to to keep up with us and check things out and leave us your comments and uh, hopefully we'll hear from some of you soon. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, as always, to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. Have a good night. i get you with this David yeah.
0: You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old family you
1: just can't let them go go stay
0: on the road keep rid of the most. we want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the video junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard